All right, Joe, you're joining well, us. So it looks like you might be in like Havana today. What's uh what's up, man? See, si, see, si, senor. No. No, no, I'm just outside getting ready to go to my daughter's tennis match in a couple hours. So just felt like making I'd... people feel bad that live where it's cold. You know, I it's weird because you know how we all got this like super spreader cold from East Denver. Um, even people I know who just came back from Brazil and Colombia, they're all sick too. So there's this yeah, cold just crazy, ripping in. And I don't know if it's like, you know, I had the AC on. So, you know, when I got back from Denver and it was, you know, cranking. And I don't know if that's right. what gets me or what, but it's just, you know, got that cold head feeling. And I took some Sudafed last night so I could sleep. Um, but today I'm just groggy as can be. So, you know hopefully what I've the never sun will like before? Me up. What? I had never taken before except this time I made my son take it. Um, uh, I remember I forgot what the brand name of it is, but it's a it's an expectorant. You know, oh, yeah? drains the drains the mucus out of your body somehow. I don't know what it is, glyph set, something like that. There's a brand name for it. Anyway, um I my wife and son when he started taking the expectorant, knocked it out pretty quick. My wife still has it lingering. She hasn't been taking it. I started taking the expectorant when we got back on Monday, I guess. And I started feeling a lot better last night. I still have it, but it's like much, much better. It's like a cough suppressant oh, along with this thing for mucus or something. Sean said, yeah, I never wrote. Re- there you go. <laughs> like, what was that movie, that book I remember reading in the 80s, like Jim Carroll's book called Basketball Diaries? I, I guess know. back in the day, the codeine, the cough syrup had a lot more codeine and I guess what oh, would yeah. it be other opioids. And so the kids were always just drinking that. Um, yeah. And so it's talks about that. If you've read it, basketball diaries and it was uh, Jim okay, Carroll yeah. was a musician, poet type character from the, I guess the fifties oh. and sixties. Um, so, you know, pretty interesting stuff set in New York city. And I always nice. like a good New York city story. But yeah, I didn't really get the coughing and stuff. Hmm? Oh, I did, man. I was up all night the other, the first night. Like when we got back, I was Uh, thought I was going to hack a little. Sorry, ah, that's all right. So you know, I don't get sick that too often, but um, a lot of allergies. But that's about it. Niblet says Joe is dressed for mojitos and dominoes. Yeah, that's why I say he's a little man at the dominoes parks. Gotta love those parks. Those old guys screaming at each other. Yeah, it reminds me of, well, not the screaming part, but it sort of reminds me of the chess matches in, like, different parks in New York City. Yeah. Where the old guys yeah, just sit out and play chess. Yeah, chess for money. Um, yeah. You know, great way to spend your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to try to get some stories loaded up. We have today, I hope, uh, I haven't received any notification. He can't make it. Uh, is it Mark or Martin? Hold on. Mark Morton. Uh, is joining mm-hmm. us from uh, a company that uh, uh, Sean hooked us up with. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, the mining company, the company that uses the excess energy um, at Renewable Energy to uh, to set up Bitcoin mining operations. And I believe uh, Sean has a small stake in that uh, operation as well. So, Yeah, I'm it sure it's be, real small. Should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, absolutely. Shot, make sure I don't screw up the to... name of their companies. Is it Silling or Skilling Mining? How do you pronounce that? I Schilling? don't. S-C-I-L-L-I-N-G. Well, it's a, probably an, 
It's probably a Celtic name, right? I mean, I'm guessing. I don't, I don't know. That's, I don't know. That might be Stilling or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm sure I'm know. sure you'll get corrected right away. So Yeah, let's make sure I get corrected. I I live to be corrected. <laughs> Brad's favorite that's activity. Why, we listen, we didn't know that. That's why I got married and stayed married. There you go. Just a masochist there for it, huh? Exactly. That's why you got divorced. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I did do that once. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah, you have one under your belt. I forgot about that. Yeah. Also, um, also, uh, uh, well, she was a half Spaniard, half Cuban, so uh, ooh. I was I was often corrected. So like a wildcat. Rawr. <laughs> 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 I, that's a that's Joe, a compliment, everybody. It's a compliment. So. Joe, Chuck says Joe's old school. That's his highlight outfit. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to one of those? I've never been to a highlight match. Either have I, but I was. You know, I, re- I occasionally restream Mad Men. They have that one highlight, the couple of highlight episodes in Mad Men. I can't remember what season, but it's uh, oh shit, talking about right. what's the guy? Oh, the big Mad highlight. Man. Pachi, Pachi, I think is his name, and uh, it's just it's just a good show. If you like, you know, pitch deals and you do things like that, it's just such a good show to watch, just to see, such you know, how show. how they pitch um, and how they tap into different veins of that. And, it's, and of course, you know, it's the '60s, so everybody's drinking liquor in the office at like nine in the morning, Drink and they smoke eight packs of cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, it's they start having weird. heart attacks at, at 35 or something, and you're just like, uh, wow, that's why dude. everybody died. Dude. Well, I just finished last night with my son. We finished season three of uh, The Boys, and I cannot recommend Ooh. it enough. As long as, as long as you can stomach the most gratuitous violence you have ever seen on a screen in your life. <laughs> I mean, literally, it, it does more gratuitous than that. So, um, and But it is... Now, this is big for my son, who is a Marvel fanatic. He decided that this series has far more depth of character and better writing than anything Marvel's produced. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. And he's seen everything Marvel's produced and made me watch was, everything Marvel's produced. Was Guardian of the Galaxy... Sorry, I'm going to get a little background noise here. Was Guardian of the Galaxy um, Marvel... Yeah, that's that's Marvel. That's a great. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great uh, movie series. Uh, it's funny as shit. Yeah, show. I love that. That first one, I just I remember going with my mom and daughter to it, and it was just absolutely hysterical. Yeah, it's really um, good. It's really good. Who's oh Chris Pratt? Right? Is that his name? The actor? Chris Pratt. Yeah, he's yeah. Funny as shit. He's he's really he is. Good. All right, let's All right. run up a quick little news before Sean says that uh, Mark's on his way. But let's run up. Oh, yeah, I did send Mark the. I sent the Mark the link earlier this week. And and there he is. Oh, well, we can start here. Mark, and we'll do some news after. Perfect. All right, Mark, you ready to go? Give me a thumbs up if you're ready to go. All right, buddy. Can you hear me? Now we can. Yep. How are you, sir? Good, good. Not too bad. Not too bad. So I wasn't sure if it was five or quarter past. So I said I'd kind of jump in somewhere in between. To no, it's all good. That. The invite was for a quarter past. We like to have a little time to, for Joe and I to say stupid nonsensical shit before other people get on. So. Glad, good, glad good. you Hopefully could. Hopefully, got uh, all that in. We did. We got it all out. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. We talk about shit that absolutely nobody cares about except the two of us. 
and they just kind of have to suffer through it until we get to the smart people like you. So that's, uh, that's, well, that's hopefully, the plan. Hopefully I can provide the smarts anyway. Otherwise, yeah. I'll just pick up where you left off. Well, Sean guaranteed you would supply smarts. So, you know, I'm going to have to get my money back if he if it's not. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I have big boots to fill. So if Sean made a promise, I'd want to do some bit of justice to it, I suppose. Uh, no, I'm just kidding with you. No. Uh, so, Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Um, the way we usually try to do this is... Um, you know, give us a little background on yourself and then tell us how you got into kind of this. This is such a fascinating business uh, that you guys are building, uh, how you got into it. And then let's get into exactly kind of what it does and and why and how it functions and the opportunities available uh, around it, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, so the best thing to do is probably just kick off with, with myself, um, I suppose, as an individual. So I, I started kind of I have a degree basically in, in financial maths. That's kind of just to sum it up, which I started in, in 2017 and finished in 2021. Um, but about halfway through that degree, I heard, you know, murmurings of people that had done quite well, you know, just as I was kind of leaving secondary school here in Ireland during the 2017 bull run. Um, and so kind of intuitively, I felt like during during college going up and asking them, you know, how, how they had done so well and, and what was kind of the, the catch, assuming that, you know, I'd ultimately missed the boat and that was there was nothing else to be kind of extracted from this crypto thing I've heard all about in 2017 um, but there was this kind of underlying idea that these people kept mentioning in my course that was you know well 2017 was great but it's all going to come back around again and there's these things called cycles and there was one in 13 and 17 and 2021 is probably going to be the same so for an individual that was quite inquisitive anyway, that was called all I kind of needed to say, well, look, if these guys are telling me that it's going to come back around again in my naivety, I may as well kind of give it some time and see if it interests me. Um, and so that's essentially what I did in, in late 2019. Um, and as soon as I started kind of delving into this idea of crypto, uh, you know, I didn't really stop. It was just kind of a, a never ending rabbit hole from there. Um, and I spent the majority of, of 2020, you know, all my time. Um, during the lockdowns that we had here in Ireland, you know, just focusing on, on crypto as an overall idea. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, really heavily DeFi focused, given the kind of financial background that the guys had that I was surrounded by, that was kind of what interested them. And so as a result of that, it's kind of what interested me. Um, but but slowly but surely over that kind of year to 18 month period, um, I just kind of started finding myself questioning, you know, I keep getting told from all these different sources that, you know, Bitcoin is kind of the old dog here. It's the boring one. And there's all these newer, shinier things coming to the market that are going to do all these different things that are basically going to leave Bitcoin kind of in the dust over the next couple of years. Um, but after, as I said, 18 months to kind of two years in the space, all these newer and shinier things hadn't actually delivered any of the stuff that they promised that they were going to do. So as much as they had all this optionality and had all these sponsorships and agreements to do X, Y, and Z with all these big companies, supposedly nothing had actually materialized. So I kind of just started asking myself, well, look, as much as these have done, coins have done well, you know, kind of, you know, the tide lifts all boats here. Maybe that's just what's happening. Maybe these things aren't actually providing any meaningful value. Maybe they're just being dragged up by this old boring one over the course of, of the past two years. And so maybe I should give the Bitcoin thing a, a bit of time. Um, and what I personally started to find is the more time I spent on Bitcoin, in my personal preference, the, the, the less time I wanted to spend dabbling in, in all the other stuff. And and that was a kind of slow process that I went through over time. Um, and ultimately, where I personally felt that that was where the signal was amongst all the noise that I had experienced for the previous two, two and a half years. Um, and in that, that time of transitioning to just focusing my time and energy personally on Bitcoin, um, I met a like-minded individual, uh, Stuart, who wanted to start a 
an Irish Bitcoin business, which is obviously a very generalistic and, and, and vague idea at the beginning. Um, but that kind of general idea eventually became what is what is skilling mining for a number of reasons, which we can we can chat through if, if you're interested, I suppose. So were you already hanging out with uh, Sean uh, during the course of your transition into maximalism? I, I wasn't. Sean, I met Sean a lot, lot, lot later, a lot later than that, believe it or not. So I've, I've only met Sean, you know, in the past number of months. I was kind of well on my way, if not, you know, completely on my way before me and Sean crossed paths. But we seemed to align quite well when we did. Because you know? that sounds like you went through the, uh, the, uh, sh- the, the Sean school of Bitcoin, man. That was like a, a beautiful uh, transitional story. That was awesome. Really, really good. That was great. It was, yeah, it was perfect. Absolutely. I don't know what I don't know what journey you know Sean went on. Sean went on a lot longer journey than, than I did, but it seems we both yeah. kind of came to a similar conclusion at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's what that's what makes it fun to hang out with Sean. Ch- uh, you know, it's the same kind of challenged thinking that that you went through for yourself. You know, Sean provides that for all of us. He he'll keep mm-hmm. he'll keep pushing us. We're all Bitcoin maxis. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's very cool. So you guys love that story. I love the way you got there, and and I think it's very interesting. Um, you know, kind of this generalized notion of hey, my buddy and I want to have a business in Bitcoin. We have no idea what that's going to be. So can you get us can you get us down the path of of you know okay you thought through the process of I'm going to build something or do something around Bitcoin and then you ended up where you are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I suppose as I said that was the kind of initial core idea which of course you know is is very very basic idea, you know, to other people that seems like a crazy idea but to anyone that's as far down the path as we were just saying you want to start a Bitcoin business was the easiest first step. Um, and there was a few kind of points that that were taken into account, which is we, we were kind of looking around the industry and asking ourselves, like as individuals and as a business, our core goal is going to be to accumulate as, as much Bitcoin as, as we possibly can. So we looked around and said, you know, who who are the best people at that? And we started looking, you know, we were spending a lot of time on Glassnode and so on and kept seeing all the balances of these miners and started saying, well, miners seem to be you know pretty good in, in comparison to a lot of other businesses that can take payments in fiat and transition it into bitcoin but these guys are actually generating bitcoin as their core income and their core business so you know maybe that's what we should focus our time on and, and you know part and parcel of that as well as as i said you know i had a, a, a traditional degree in, in financial mathematics and actuarial sciences so i was kind of headed down the kind of traditional finance route anyway and so Going into financial services, you know, financial investments, doing funds, doing consulting wasn't something that was, you know, overly kind of intriguing to, to myself and Stuart. Whereas the mining in our minds, first of all, you know, ticked the box, which was it will allow us to accumulate Bitcoin as a, as a core as a core goal of our business. But it is something that's a bit different as opposed to the routes that we were already on. Stuart is a is a bit older than myself and kind of had a, a background in, in in banking. He was in Royal Bank of Scotland and he did a degree in economics. And so he had that traditional background, but we wanted to do something different. Um, and, and, and aside from that, energy was something that interested us quite a lot, which is we kind of had a, a sit down at one stage around the table and said, look, we can, you know, wear shirts and ties or we can wear, you know, boots and jeans and go to wind farms and solar farms or ideally oil and gas sites. You know, this was the simple kind of split down the middle of the ideology as to where we were headed. Um, and in every kind of aspect, the mining kind of just shouted at us as the the one that was that bit more intriguing. And so 
as I said, the, the Bitcoin side of things, but also just the preferential side of, of wanting to go down a different path of kind of the one that we were already on was was a key factor in that decision as well. That's awesome. That uh, That's great. Um, so, so I love the fact that, you know, you guys were interested in energy and what was available out there and you were interested in, in kind of the, the mining for accumulation. Um, I, I think those are great motivators. How did you arrive at, well, first tell us what skilling is doing and then tell us how you arrived at, at deciding that maybe that'll be evident from you telling us what it does mm-hmm. yeah so in, in short skilling basically does you know containerized mining solutions which is we basically make boxes completely from scratch and um, that allow you to buy in bitcoin mining machines and drop them wherever there's there's stranded electricity so wherever you might have excess solar where you might have excess wind where you might have a, a biogas plant that can't export as much energy as it thought it otherwise would have been able to um, because the grid didn't quite you know, develop in the way it expected or you can't get grid connected. What you can do is essentially buy our containerized solution full of ASICs or full of Bitcoin mining machines and drop it on site and allows you then to soak up that excess energy and monetize that energy in you know stranded capacity locations um but i suppose how we we kind of ended up going down the kind of containerized route and, and focusing on that is you know i took a lot of inspiration early on from the likes of of marty bent and then you know steve barber and these guys in, in great american mining and upstream data and all, a few of these other companies in the us that were mining off of um flare gas on the oil and gas fields but you know in ireland we we have basically zero flaring and we don't have oil and gas fields so we kind of started asking ourselves look we can't do their model so what's the irish model and and you know we took one look at the the price of on-grid electricity in ireland which at the time was you know 13 14 cents per kilowatt in the past 12 months you would have seen you know in some instances 40 cents plus per kilowatt which is obviously insane um so we very early on realized you know connecting into the grid here and, and building a, a data center and dragging it off the grid isn't isn't going to work. You know, we're going to have to be right. a bit more strategic. We're going to have to be a bit more innovative if we're going to be able to make mining work in Ireland. Otherwise, we're just going to have to consider going elsewhere. And what we started to realize is that, look, the scale that you'd see in the US probably isn't going to be applicable here. So this idea of retrofitting shipping containers or building big, large facilities like the one in Rockdale in Texas and just isn't going to apply to Ireland. Um, and so then we decided to partner up with some guys in, in Cork uh, here in Ireland and, and basically build our own custom containers from scratch. And um, that will basically allow you to monetize very, very small amounts of energy or, you know, slightly bigger pockets of energy of, of you know, 250 kilowatts. But the joy of it is that you can basically match the amount of mining that you need to the amount of stranded energy that you have. And that's why essentially how we, we came to the conclusion that we have um, in that Ireland doesn't have a problem with generating electricity, uh, but there is a problem in Ireland with harnessing and, and transmiss- tran- the transmission of that energy around Ireland. And so that's where you get these, these pockets of stranded capacity, essentially. That's really cool. Were you able to um, ascertain kind of how much or estimate how much stranded energy there is around Ireland? Yeah, so so that was kind of the, where the inspiration came from, which is, you know, we kind of, you know, like any business very early on probably has a bit of naivety where you think, oh, this is going to be great. Let's just become miners. And then, as I said, we took a look at the, the price of on-grid electricity and said, okay, maybe this isn't going to be quite as simple as, as we thought it otherwise might have been. Um, and so we started reading a thing called Dispatch Down Reports, which basically tells you how much, you know, wind electricity is wasted every year in Ireland. And what we started realizing from these reports is that as they onboard new renewable generation, 
the grid just isn't keeping up. So you're seeing this amount, this you know, these levels of constraint and curtailment all over the grid, consistently rising year on year. Um, and what we started to realize is that, you know, as I said, generating electricity isn't a problem. You know, Ireland has a lot of electricity. So while you hear about people talking about an energy crisis, in a lot of instances, it's just the fact that it can't get to where it needs to go. Um, and so that kind of set us on the path of, okay, well, maybe we don't need to leave Ireland. You know, maybe there is a model here that is slightly smaller scale for the US and that is definitely at the moment solely off-grid but there is a model here that can work. Um, and so we kind of decided early on to, from the kind of reports that we'd read on wind and solar and biogas, we said, look, let's just stick it out um, and work harder. You know, while it is going to be more difficult to prove this model, we do think there's a model here that that's going to be meaningful. And so we, we continued on that path and, and now we have a, a few boxes kind of out in the wild operating, which is great. And we have interest from a number of others as well in the past while. Hey, hey Mark, the... quick question. This, this is Joe. I just want to get in with this lot of noise around me. Um, mm -hmm. With your revenue model, um, do people um, lease the boxes from you or do they pay a flat rate? I'm sorry, I always jump right ahead of Brad on that one. That's perfect. Apologies. Go for it, man. Yeah, and then how does um, – what are you kind of seeing as the average uh, ROI or return on investment on, say, that purchase or lease for clients? Yeah, so from, from our perspective, we're, we're quite easy going when it comes to the whether we would lease a box and, and kind of do a rev share on a, on a large scale site um, or if we would just sell the boxes because there are our boxes, their IP, we can just give them to people to mine it themselves. Generally, what we would try to look for is kind of a, an ROI of, of around two years or less, you know, because given the kind of life cycle of the machines and so on, you know, you don't want to be getting into four or five years plus. Um, but that being right. said, you know, there's, there's kind of a number of different variations of this model and, and we're kind of as i said open to whatever suits people most if, if it's in a very kind of isolated location and very very small scale it might not make sense for us to be splitting revenue with that individual and and, and managing that box ourselves just because it creates a, a logistical issue but if you had a very large scale box that's connected to a biogas plant that has nice uptime and the person doesn't want 100% exposure to Bitcoin, then, you know, that's something that we would then consider being involved in. But we've we've found from our perspective, it's it's been a complete mix. Um, but if, if anything, people are showing, you know, a willingness here, and maybe it's something that surprised us to, to mine themselves. You know, I think the, hmm. the joy of mining is the kind of independent and sovereign nature, nature of it, which is it's not like having AWS servers in a box whereby you have to ask someone if you can switch them on and switch them off. As soon as you buy a box and machines off us, it's your energy demand and you're free to do whatever you want with that box, which is something that I think people like, especially when you have a, a single turbine or you have a hydro plant in the middle of nowhere or you have a, a biogas plant. You know, these people and these energy producers are used to being able to do their own thing. And so, you know, I think that's kind of the way they like to continue their model. Um, and so this is why, you know, the boxes, buying the boxes off us is something that we've seen um, as being the preference up until this point. One, one quick follow-up. Um, do you find that it's the individuals that are, let's say, the contract people on those like development sites, the energy development sites, or is it the actual companies that look for a way to sort of diversify their kind of um, investment costs or offset it until they turn on, say, the, the oil, gas or what, hydro or whatever power they're generating? Yes. So so we've seen it as a, as a complete mix, actually. I, I think in general, you know, in Ireland, you have individual operators that own and manage their own sites and sell to the grid. You obviously then have larger portfolios whereby 
some will own multiple wind farms that are operated by certain individuals, but it's all part of their portfolio. But I think in general, Ireland is 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 just finding its feet when it comes to mining. And and we're you know aside from our core business, you know, educating you know individuals and companies on mining is is a key part of of what we do. Which is I think in the US, you know, there's there's kind of stronger split. Of, opinions on Bitcoin and on mining in general, but at least people are, are quite informed. Whereas I think Ireland is getting to the stage where we're now kind of dipping our toe into it and people are just looking for, you know, exposure. And it's, it's, it's why I think the small boxes from our perspective might do quite well, which is people are looking at it and saying, look, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to dive in and, and be a Bitcoin miner with 300 machines, but, you know, two or six machines is, is somewhere that I could start with. And I think that's where I'm saying we've seen the mix, which is, you know, you're seeing companies come to us and say, look, this might be something but the bitcoin thing is is kind of a hard sell for us inside here but if we could take a two machine box and, and just see that it works you know and see how simple it is you know once we have it set up then you know maybe that might speak more volume than the kind of ambiguity that we currently feel around bitcoin as a whole because i think ultimately bitcoin and bitcoin mining will stack up for itself i think the model proves itself to be quite meaningful and it's just a matter of more and more people taking that little first step and then realizing actually, you know, this is in reality just flexible demand that I can put on my site, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or whether it's not is actually quite irrelevant. And so as more and more people normalize this idea of mining, I think it'll just, the market will just get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Very, very cool. Thank you. No what, um, what are you seeing as kind of the, the, uh, Sean loves to talk about, uh, uh, burning cow manure for Bitcoin, but what are you seeing as kind of the, the breakdown of, um, of the different energy sources that you guys are encountering? Honestly, so up until um, before Christmas, it was kind of heavily focused on, on biogas, um, but we <laughs> had the Farmer's Journal, which is a kind of a big traditional uh, uh, media outlet here in Ireland for the agricultural sector, do, a, do an article on us in December. Um, and since then, what I expected was an increase in kind of biogas inquiries, but it's actually been the opposite. We've actually had a lot of wind and solar guys reach out to us um, <laughs> with a variety of different models. And now I, I would honestly say we're at the stage where we're kind of evenly stretched amongst inquiries between wind solar biogas and we've also had a couple of hydro ones as well um all of them wow. very very different models you know which is the biogas ones are, are kind of slightly simpler um and then we, but we've had people inquiring that have wind turbines that power their factories but can't export to the grid because the grid can't take that much export capacity um, and they're turning on heaters and, and and fans on the roof to try to use up the energy because they have no other there's no other use case for it. Um, and so they're coming to us and saying, well, look, we may as well put it through the machines and get it back almost like a, a subsidy for using this energy, this excess energy that we have instead of just creating hot air for no reason. Um, so it's right. it's a complete mix, which is which is what we want. You know, we would love to, you know, by the middle of this year to say, they're not our sites per se, but there's instances of each different energy source all finding strategic value in one way or another through the use of mining, which would be a kind of nice, you know, use case of each. Well, and it seems like you'll be in a, a position where eventually all of the guys who are installing those systems, whether it's the bio, the solar, the wind, whatever, are just going to come. Uh, if I were selling it to someone with the property, I would say, hey, we've partnered with Skilling and now we're going to be able to provide you right as a part of the package. We're, we're going to do these yeah. wind turbines and, and that becomes part of the whole deal. Yeah, and I, I think the model will, will continue to develop. I think, as I said, it's 
it'll be a case of, of, of normalizing the idea of mining, which is, in my opinion, I think over the next decade, Bitcoin mining will be a key part of the majority of, of people's energy asset portfolios, which is people will start to reimagine how they view, you know, their renewable build out and how they strategically build all of these different wind and solar farms and, and hydro plants and have mining kind of in, in the back of their mind as to how, how can I bolt this on? You know, how will this make um, the payback or the kind of economics of scale of economies of scale of this site actually stack up that bit better. Um, and so that's, that'll be that normalizing of mining hopefully will, will align with the fine, you know, the cool off in on grid pricing in Ireland, which again might start make mining even more appealing over the next couple of years. Um, Cause then sure. you might have a stage where, mining transitions on grid and, and Ireland may start look at may start to look a bit more like Aircot in Texas. Um and the kind of off grid model might start to fade away. You know, it, it, but it's an ever changing model, but one that we think will always be relevant. Right. If the price gets low enough um with with the grid, then obviously it's profitable for you. But if it's not, then these things, these alternatives will be as profitable for you for the longer term. Is Ireland unique in kind of this stranded energy um scenario or are there a lot of other countries or places that that this is something you could also be selling to i think there's a, a lot of countries that will all be experiencing the same problem i think what you've seen because of the the, with the change in the kind of energy outlook over the past 12 months given that everything that's gone on over over on this side of the atlantic is now people are constantly looking at how can we speed up our renewable build out you know whether whether people believe that's for, for, for better or for worse that's not up to us to decide but that's what the eu is, is focused on which is scaling up renewables and bringing on hundreds and hundreds of gigawatts by 2030 to try and improve our our energy independence and our energy sovereignty but what's going to come with that is is this constant issue of, of grid capacity and you're seeing it in the uk you're seeing it in in portugal you're seeing it in spain you're seeing it all over because you know, you can build renewable infrastructure very fast, but, you know, improving the grid at that same relative pace is extremely difficult. And so you're going to continue to have this problem whereby they're continuing to speed up renewable build out um, and either those renewable, you know, renewables aren't making it to market, which is, you know, I, I've seen figures in some instances around Europe and the UK, which is people are being told, OK, it's great. You have all your financing, you have all your planning, but your grid connection is going to be in, in 2036. And, you know, and people are saying, well, you know, 2036, if you're being honest, is no good to us. You know, we have the business plan and right. the funding now. You know, 2036 is kind of the nail in the coffin for this. And, and, you know, you're seeing quotes from people that are saying, you know, nobody can hold a renewable project for that long. And so they're going to be the guys that are now saying, well, look, we can either throw this business plan in the bin or maybe we can see if there's a, an alternative way to allow this, you know, eventually make it to market. And then we're kind of trying to come along and say, look, you might not know it yet, but but mining could well be your solution until the grid is, comes out to you. We're, we're kind of, um, where are you guys in terms of scaling your business to be able to kind of, you know, snag a lot of that market share? I assume it's it's fairly capital intensive just to build out the boxes and, and scale kind of mm -hmm. manufacturing and installation. What what are you guys kind of facing for the business itself coming going forward? Yeah, well, I suppose at the moment we're kind of still just tipping away as as a business, as you said, kind of keeping that that cost of infrastructure down, which is we're providing people with with, with a number of boxes in a number of different locations, and that's you know allowing the business to continue. If there was a situation whereby you know we're presented because of this free capacity issue with um, a large scale opportunity, which is something that we are pursuing to to start self mining 
a lot more, then, you know, that's right. where we will have to kind of go out and look at a change in our, in our current model and, and, and try to raise, you know, the capital to allow a much faster and a much more aggressive expansion than the one that we're currently operating on. But what we're kind of do, trying to do is, is, is do our best to navigate the bear market you know not take on any undue risks that we don't need to take on and um, sure. you know that's been the kind of the key killer of mining companies kind of over the past 18 months is is over leveraging yourself you know for no reason and um, so you know we'll continue to be conservative up until the point we you know see the right opportunity for us and i think the next 12 months because of the bear market that we're in and because of the price of, of asics and the price of mining hardware as a whole you know we see this as a as a time where we want to move maybe a bit more aggressively and so that would be the that would be the ideal time to secure an opportunity to to put on a bit of scale and then you know that's greater than the one we already have yeah that makes that makes a ton of sense um in terms of your customers um i would assume that uh, many of them are not necessarily uh, completely bitcoin savvy folks um how how are they managing or how are you helping them learn to manage kind of bitcoin coming in holding or or selling or kind of what's the relationship like on that part of it right like in uh, leveraging the the actual financial measures of of accumulating bitcoin yeah so i suppose it's 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 been a kind of a mixed bag i would say which is we actually built a, a mini display room in our office kind of 18 months ago which was the tore down all the shelving we took out all the carpets the whole lot repainted the whole thing made it almost look like it was the inside of a container um, and what we nice. kind of did early on is that instead of just kind of neglecting the idea of bitcoin and saying oh what you do is just liquidate it straight away and, and you know get don't be involved in bitcoin you know it's because you don't worry your, your kind of selves about it you don't have to obviously because we're a bitcoin business and we're as individuals where we're pretty heavily involved in the bitcoin side of things we wanted people to have that kind of bitcoin savviness and the interest themselves you know if they were mining we wanted them to actually have a vested interest in in what bitcoin was and and learning a bit more about it so when we would talk to all of these energy guys we would actually basically bring them in for a couple of hours at a time and we would show them the five s19s we had running upstairs walk them through the the bitcoin mining display room and you know explain what s19s were explain what asics were and then we put a projector up on the wall and we would go bitcoin from first principles all the way through mining all the way through energy and then how they kind of all wow. amalgamate together um so then you know because we, we as as i said we didn't want to neglect that part of it and, and what we've seen is that the majority or almost i would probably say everyone so far has as as actually decided that they want to keep some of the bitcoin that they're earning nice, um, and become nice. just become just a bit more a bit more sovereign with it which is you know we talk to them about cold storage we talk to them about hot wallets we explain how you get your hot you know your cold storage set up whether it be your ledger or treasure or whatever it might be um, and now they're they're actually holding on to the majority of the bitcoin that they're taking in up until the point obviously where they they might feel like they want to offload some of it but at least they've they've gone through that part and it's not just a case of they have some miners sitting on on their site and they're using mining as a, a means of exchange between energy and fiat. They're actively then getting involved in the mining side of things, which to us is is obviously quite important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of our one of our listeners says, um, Euphoric said, uh, an alt called Power Ledger was set up to tokenize energy throughout the world. It was created by a brilliant lady called Dr. Hema Green. I'm, I'm not familiar with that, but uh, interesting to know. And Niblet says, what is the average price per kilowatt you need for break even? And I guess uh, how long that takes. 
Yeah, so I, I, at the moment, just from figures I probably looked at yesterday, I think a, a new and off S19 is probably earning you around 10 cents per kilowatt. Um, in revenue, okay. it might be slightly slightly less. So that would be kind of essentially your, your break-even point. But you never really want to be, you know, because of the drawdowns that you might see in, in a Bitcoin bear market, you never want to be exposing yourself to the DAP break-even level, which is, you know, the name of the game when things get dicey in the mining market is to stay on. And, you know, do whatever yep. you can to stay mining. Um, and so you always want to be looking at kind of the worst case scenario, which, again, is kind of part and parcel of, of why we are trying to now at the moment, just for, for now, focus on stranded assets. Because if they're going to if that electricity has no other buyer, then, you know, your break even point is essentially zero, which means no matter yeah, how that's bad beautiful. things get. Um, at least you can stay on um, and just going back to the the, the one on, on on kind of tokenizing energy as it's something that i you know feel quite strongly about which is you know people at the moment you know focus a lot on tokenizing everything yeah i, I think that's a very very big theme at the moment which is you can you can tokenize the whole world right but there's a key underlying factor, which is you can tokenize real world assets, but those real world assets still exist and you still have to do real world proof of reserves. And so, in my opinion, I think it's a lot more meaningful to use something like Bitcoin mining to have that real world connection, which is you're putting real world infrastructure down, you're monetizing that energy on site in the real world, and you're turning it into either Bitcoin or you're turning it into fiat currency. And that's an actual real world example of, of using the asset. And where, cause, whereas I think this idea of kind of tokenizing energy and tokenizing real world assets can somehow sometimes, you know, try to remove itself from the asset that it's ultimately, you know, going to be forever linked to. And sometimes the kind of ideology around that can sometimes you know, eventually just lack actual value in what it's trying to do. That makes sense. Um, you know, from the perspective of two financial guys, um, what was it like? like really having to dive into kind of all the nuts and bolts of energy usage and energy functioning and, and all of that, along with all the hardware demands and needs um, and understanding what you guys would actually have to build to make this happen. I mean, was this something where you brought in people on the outside or were you just spending months and months doing the research yourselves and, and building from there? Yeah, so early on, it was definitely just months and months of, from, from the energy side anyway, and trying to, you know, identify our, our potential market and, and where mining might apply. It was just months and months of reading dispatch down reports and solar reports and, and just trying to get a self-taught degree in, in renewables, essentially. You know, that was the, right. that's, you know, one of the elements of it, which is you can do that yourself if you just put, you know, quite a lot of time into it. Um, but then yep. when it came to the design of containers and so on, you know, we were lucky we, Part of building the display room was was finding the kind of right electrical partners, which is once they, when they did the display room, it was a good kind of trial for, for those electrical guys that we ultimately ended up part, parting, parting, uh, partnering up with. Um, and then they introduced us to a, a crowd in, in, in just outside of Cork City that specialized in, in air vac units. Um, so we basically, or I basically brought the idea to, to the electrical guys who then we came together and brought it to the, the air vac guys and said, look, this might sound a bit weird. I know you usually specialize in air vac units and heat pumps and heat exchangers, but you're experts in airflow. And that's the kind of key thing. And so we've got this idea to put these mining machines. Well, we started by calling them computer servers before, you know, we didn't want to walk in <laughs> talking, to, talking about Bitcoin mining, but eventually we did tell them that it were Bitcoin miners. But 
we came together kind of as a trio then to to kind of bring this idea that we had to fruition and and they had you know really good experience already um which allowed us to you know as you said we started as financial guys but eventually we were able to get something you know set up and 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 running you know on that side in our map sean says is cork actually a city yeah, believe it or not, Cork is actually a city. People would call it the real capital of Ireland as well. You know, that might be up for debate. It depends on, on, on what Sean's opinion on that is. But the real capital of Ireland is Cork. It might say Dublin, but if anyone asks you, you just tell them it's Cork City. <laughs> I love that. That's friggin' awesome. Um, I Let me see. I, let me make sure I hit all my questions. I think you did cover almost everything in there. So... Kind of what's, um, I, I, you know, I obviously you guys are still, um, you're probably spending a good majority of your time out, you know, evangelizing, persuading, talking to people about, you know, how this is valuable to them and how it all works. Um, is that pretty much kind of every day? Are you guys feel pretty good from an engineering perspective about where your boxes are that now you can really just be pitching and selling and, and, and marketing it now? Yeah, to an extent, I think I think with anything, I think you're always trying to you're always trying to improve. Which is, you know, we have sure. designs that that we're very very happy with, but again, you know, we're always looking back over them. And you know, I had a meeting with our you know our main electrician last week to just say, look, how can we either fit more machines in, or how can we clean it up? How can we make it look better? How can we reduce the size of our electrical paneling while still keeping the kind of same quality and the and the same kind of security that we had in the boxes and you know can we swap out some of our electrical paneling for a different style you know all these different things we're always looking at because as much as we as i said have a design we're pleased with there's always ways i think you can make it better you know whether it be swapping to smart pdus whether it be changing the fans whether it be changing the layout of the racking um, and i think i don't think we'll ever stop doing that if i'm being honest maybe we will if you know eventually but i think you're probably always learning and, and you know new things are always appearing where you might say look that's you know that's slightly better and it's the same you know with the with the kind of emergence of, of hydro mining you know and all these other things and immersion mining it's always something right. that that's on our mind so our our, our containers at the moment are, are just air cooled um but you know if, if hydro mining is something that we think could be quite meaningful for for certain clients over time then maybe it's something that, that we should get, do our due diligence on and, and try see if it's if it's a container that we would swap to especially with the the backgrounds that our guys have in, in heat pumps and heat exchanges and so on it could be a it could be a match made in heaven for them. And, and one of our electrical guys is always shouting at me saying that we should swap to hydro, but you know, all in due time, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've got to be careful about that, but um, that's, that's uh, sounds like a good path forward. Um, mm -hmm. in, in terms of kind of the, the company itself, are, are you guys thinking you'll expand beyond Ireland? Are you guys going to be raising more money for expansion down the line? Um, are you hiring people? Kind of give us a, a, uh, you know, if, if somebody's interested in getting involved with you guys or, or reaching out to inquire more, uh, what should they do? Yeah, I, I, so I think, you know, we're, we're definitely looking to expand. I think we, we have a few ideas in here, which is we want to develop software. We want to kind of really zone in on on this idea of kind of intermittent mining. Because I think, as, as I said, you know, renewables is on the forefront of where Europe wants to go. And but part and parcel of, of kind of those renewables is that they're going to be intermittent, which is they're going to have to find a way to really efficiently mine within those peaks and troughs of, of energy generation. And so we're always kind of looking to, to kind of just expand as much as we can beyond this idea of, of, of just delivering boxes. You know, there's a lot of ideas that we have that's, you know, as I said, involved in software and so on. And, and that's where where we'd kind of like to push into uh, and expand our offering overall. So there's a number of stages of that, which 
you know, in our mind could take years, but that's not just limited to Ireland. As I said earlier, you know, the UK is experiencing grid problems. The, you know, Portugal is experiencing them. Spain is experiencing them. So, you know, we would love to expand the amount of people that we have working for us and, you know, open a, a, a Lisbon office, open a, a London office. All of these things would, would be ideal. Um, but it's just about finding the kind of right strategic person to do that with. I think that, uh, you know, ultimately sure. we're, we're a Bitcoin focused company and, and the people that we align ourselves with, we would like them to share that same ethos and those same values. And, you know, I think you look back at, at some of the, the miners that, that kind of struggled over the past while or, or any of these Bitcoin related companies. And I think, you know, there are a lot of BCs out there and, you know, they're funding a lot of projects, but in some instances you would worry that, the crash and burn model makes more sense, which is, you know, just move, you know, leverage up as much as you can move, try to get your investment back. And, and, and if you, if you die, if you die, do or die, then that's fine. Whereas, you know, we think the kind of whole Bitcoin ethos is this kind of, you know, you've got one shot at doing something correctly, you know, so build slowly, do it methodically, do it correctly. Um, and so if we were to partner up with someone that's interested in, in investing in us or progressing with us, you know, we would like them to kind of be on that same path and be aligned with us, you know, in that way, which would be a, a pretty important part of, of our expansion when, you know, hopefully it comes, you know, sooner rather than later. Sure. No, that makes total sense. Uh, and I, I think your approach is smart. I think this is something that, um, you know, you can grow into gradually without overdoing it and strapping yourselves, mm -hmm. stretching yourselves too thin. So it makes total sense. I, I'm really excited for you guys. I think this is a really powerful model. Um, I think you guys are pretty brilliant for, for kind of diving in and figuring out where you wanted to go. I love the path and I love the story. So I really appreciate it. Joe, did you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, no, I was going to say that I really like the organic growth model and focusing in on the ethos properly and then focusing on Ireland first. Um, but I definitely see a model where you could maybe not open offices up and, and maybe drop containers to people in different locations, more remote locations. Like, um, but those companies typically, sorry, there's a lot of background noise here. Those companies don't typically share the same ethos. So you have to kind of balance that, as you said. Um, but yeah, no, this is great. I mean, I, I was thinking a lot, you know, about projects in, say, South America and places like that, or, you know, Africa, where, you know, if you can turn, um, at least offset a lot of the development costs there through something like this, you know, that makes projects profitable faster. So definitely something to, to, to balance with your ethics, of course, but um, yeah, this is a great play. It was a real, real nice to meet you, Mark. And, um, and thanks Sean for introducing us to Mark. It's a, it's a great project. Yeah. Pleasure. We had Pleasure. another question from Niblets. What is your strategy for dealing with ASICs as they become obsolete? Is that something you guys have to swap out and plan to swap out as they, as they go age? Yeah, so I suppose it's it's something that that people talk about a lot, which is you know this you know this constant talk of you know miners last two years and then you need to swap them out. But I think what's more important than the actual idea of the miners is the economics in which and the area in which you're running them. Which is you know there's people that were running S nines six and a half years after they were released on the oil and gas fields because their economics dictated. Look, I'm currently getting fined or I'm getting nothing for this gas, and so my one and a half cents that I'm getting off of running this ACE at this S9, you know, stacks up. So I'm going to do whatever I can, which are ripping off mm. power units, ripping off fans, replacing them. I'm going to do whatever I can to keep this machine running up until the point where it doesn't make economic sense to do so. And I think that's something that's, again, with regards to stranded energy, will improve the longevity, you know, of, of, of your machine, which is, it depends on, on your overall economics in your given area. What's your energy source? What's your uptime? Um, and you'll see all these kind of different models emerge, which is, you know, as I said, the S9 is a, is a 
something that I always like to refer to, mainly because you, what you hear is people talk about e-waste and digital economists and all these people saying that ASICs get thrown in the bin after 18 months to two years because they're worthless. You know, there's a number of kind of different instances that show that that's not the case. And I think mm. with this, the kind of dawn of intermittent mining or mining renewables, I think what you'll start seeing is if you have a very high uptime site, you'll use a new machine because you'll know that machine is always going to be on and it's going to pay itself off very, very quickly. Whereas if you have a site that has a bit of intermittency and doesn't have you know, quite you know, the uptime as the other site, you might use a slightly older machine that other people don't see the economic value in because of the fact that it's only on 40 or 50% of the time. You might start seeing mm. the S9, S19s in five or six years' time transitioning from high uptime sites to what you might call low uptime soakage sites that kick in 30 or 40% of the time because you need to get your CapEx down in order for that lower uptime site to stack up financially. And again, all of these different use cases, while people talk about ASICs going obsolete, are extending the life cycle of, or the lifespan of those machines because ultimately they're a very durable machine. You know, they, they run very, very hard, but at the same time you can swap fans, you can swap PSUs and you can get them going again. And you're seeing repair centers pop up all over the place, all of which are, are part and parcel of this idea of, of trying to drag out the lifespan of that machine. And, and as I said, what will dictate that lifespan isn't the actual machine itself to per se it's the economics around that machine yeah when you when you talk about um you guys building software is that something where you're thinking about things like optimizing uh the time that the machines are on uh pooling all of the machines in your network together into your own mining pools so that you're optimizing for um uh, for for mining i mean is that the kinds of stuff you guys are thinking about yeah, well, so we're kind of just focusing on, you know, people talk about, you know, these machines being location agnostic and, and perfectly flexible and all and all these things. But if you're not, if you don't have a, a very simple and efficient way to control them, then, you know, they're not. You know, I think that's kind of a, a misconception, which is an, an S19 is a perfectly flexible demand source if you have a very good kind of remote mechanism to control it. Whereas if you don't, then if you have to walk in and turn it off by hand, you know, it's not as flexible as, you, as people say it is. And so that's sure. something that, that we're focusing on, on quite heavily, which is how can you make the user experience as flexible as people talk about it being? And, and I think software is, is something that we would like to get into, which deals with that issue and allows that flexibility to interact with the likes of, of wind and solar and all these other sources. And so I think that's something that, that I personally and us in here will try to focus on over the next while. That's awesome. What's your uh, website again, Mark? Uh, it's skillingmining.com. Skillingmining.com. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, this was fascinating and 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 has, you know, a hundred ideas flowing through my head of uh, all my farming relatives in Oklahoma who probably have lots of stranded energy opportunities out there uh, as well as gas and oil wells. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm excited for you guys. I think it's, uh, it's fascinating and I, I hope everybody will go check out what you're doing and uh, you know, we want to wish you much success. So appreciate you coming on and take the time to explain it all to us. Thank you. Brian. No, I, I appreciate you having me on and for, for giving me the time and, and the platform to chat about it. I'm always happy to. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks Mark. It was Absolutely. really informative. Anytime you yeah. Yeah, and any time you guys have an update, you want to talk about more stuff that you're up to, please don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to have you back on. Brilliant, brilliant, guys. Thank you very much. And hope, hopefully Thanks, I Mark. Did, uh, Sean, Sean's recommendation justice. He'll be able to He's over here messaging me privately, apologizing for your performance. No, I'm kidding. He's, he's oh, good. Oh, gosh. <laughs>
<laughs> you should watch <laughs> him on our you wa- watch him on our Friday show. You'll, you you won't won't be worried about it. Your performance at all. Uh, I have to listen to Sean enough. <laughs> I, I, I've heard enough of Sean. <laughs> it depends on it. It depends on the Guinness factor for Sean, you know, and, and how many cigarettes yeah, he's got yeah. going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather do it in the pub. I'd rather do it in the pub. There you the pub. go. There you go. <laughs> all right, man. Take Thanks, care, Mark. guy. Bye-bye. Cheers, Cheers buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's cool, man. I love this. Yeah, I like that a lot, man. My mind is just spinning with the opportunities there. I mean. Me too. Yeah. Me too. You know, there's this big, I got a lot of background noise. Hold on. There's a lot of um, talk about Pebble Nuke Reactors power in like resort complexes and big office building complexes. Why can't you right. just attach mines like this to those nukes and, you know, generate more money on top of power? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, look, and you know, I started thinking about, look, all my relatives have oil wells and gas wells on their property. The hemp, in the hemp farmers? farmers in the hemp, the hemp, the hemp farmers, farmers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, on their properties in Oklahoma. And they're certainly producing shit tons of cow shit. So I have no idea what they're doing on the energy side of things, but. No, you can be the right. family savior, man. You can be the family savior. These guys have been banking money for years. Every time another farmer goes out of business, they buy his property. So, you know. Oligarch farmers. They've, they've been stacking. They're, they're Mennonites. Uh, and so they don't have any, like, life expenses. They don't spend their money. So, you know, they just, it's all about farming. So, anyway. She's what about you, man? What about you? <laughs> Am I a farmer? No. I have grown before, but not uh, what they grow. Uh, she said, do you oh, guys really? have an, oh, ordinal, okay. an ordinal strategy? Airdropping a Bitcoin Satoshi ordinal to commemorate the purchase of one of the boxes. Oh, I, I we guess we could have asked him that, but I think I doubt they do. Uh, and he said, this guy is awesome, but Bitcoin is so boring. <laughs> Shizzy. Well, I I don't think it's boring if you're making a, if you're making good money from it, right? I mean that that's not boring, and I think there's a shit ton of opportunities opportunities happening in the Bitcoin land right now. Uh, so I I I I I I understand kind of the model of it just sits there, it's boring boring, but uh, you know anyway. Euphoric said yield farmer. Yeah, we're going to be talking about yielding tomorrow. Sean already started the discussion up in the community uh, about what his uh, point of view is going to be uh, for tomorrow's show. He wants to basically tell us all that uh, yield is the detriment of uh, the DeFi society. So uh, since that's everything about the DeFi society, it's going to be an interesting discussion. Um, if you're not in our community, you should join us, t.me forward slash mission DeFi, t dot me forward slash mission defi or do a telegram search for mission defi you'll find us or defi lunch you can find us there so that's all i got today joe you want to go through some news you're muted buddy You're still muted. Hmm. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm showing up. There you go. Now you're, yeah. now you're good. Now you're good. Yeah. No, a buddy of mine bought this place. The, it's been interesting watching yeah. the parade of people. Yeah, no, a buddy of mine bought this place and a uh, developer. And so I kind of use nice. offices here sometimes. And, um, nice. and, you know, in order to get in on the developer units when the high rise goes up eventually. 
So, um, yeah, that's why you, that's why you, that's why you see me here sometimes, which is another project we should think about with everybody who's like, you know, all the Bitcoin miners and everybody that are interested in diversifying, you know, I mean, now we talked about tokenizing with Mark, but, um, you know, that is a play that we should explore, you know, um, tokenizing some of these big developments because they're like huge projects. I mean, these are, you know, hundred million plus construction loans and, you know, 300 million in sales kind of thing. So. I think in this cycle, you know, because I'm always looking to diversify. Um, it's usually risky at the beginning, you know, if you're the developer. Right. But most of these right. guys are so like wired in that, uh, you know, they don't have problems with permits and things like that. Um, but it could be something interesting <laughs> for our listeners. Welcome to Miami. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's the developer game everywhere, I think. Um, I think so. But, you know, but yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. And I was thinking like, even like uh, Cipriani's doing a big development, just like about a hundred yards that way, and you know, um, you know, that's the Cipriani family, restaurant fame, Italy, all of that, and you know, these are like posh, luxe places going up. And I'm thinking that with, you know, I think there's going to be a little bit of economic downturn coming in real estate. That there might be some good value opportunities like we had in 08, 09, um, that we might yeah. want to test a model like that out on. So well, I got to tell you, there's some big one. opportunities over in in Naples right now that I'm getting fed. So we need to talk about that further because they're, they're, the, Naples is not going to, no, all that Gulf Coast is going to get rebuilt, right? The money's there to rebuild yeah. it. So there's going to yeah. be a shit ton flowing through there as well. So we should talk through it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's nothing better than doing it when it's a devalued market, you know, so, yeah. and you get yeah. positioned right before the next, you know, rate hike cuts that come in the next, I guess, year or so. Um, you know, after we get off the 6% number that um, looks like that's going to be sitting there for a while, you know, through this year. Yeah. But then, you know, it'll yeah. have to be stimmied again and then we'll all be fat and happy. So, yeah, man. I, I, I would like to be happy. I would like to, if fat and happy means wealthy, I'm, I'm there for it. So, yeah. I don't mean like, I don't mean like uh, the bank. I've already got the fat. Yeah, I am yeah. pretty healthy. <laughs> no, you just got a little paunch. You're healthy. I'm not talking about like the BIS guy, you know, the Bank of International Settlements. I'm not talking about that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah that happy. guy. That's some fat happy about right there. Fat stacks and happy. <laughs> kind of thing. So, but yeah, no, I mean, any other news to go over before we run? Dude, I mean, we got a ton, but I, I'm, I'm good for the tomorrow. day. You good for the day? Yeah, man. Yeah, I was absolutely. trying to find, oh, listen, I wanted to find this, um, this review from Northern star on our YouTube channel that I had missed somehow uh, on the comments. Cause you know, little, little ego stroke for you and me before we go off, off. Oh, really? Let's see. Yeah. It. Northern star said, Oh man, what a great perspective on trading from Sean. Thank you so much for sharing. Only wish I could see the charts a bit better. Y'all are my favorite source of information relating to crypto. And I listen to every single episode of the podcast being part of the younger generation. It's clear from the personal anecdotes that history rhymes. I love how personable and real you guys, Brad and Joe are, as well as the consistently great company you both keep. Thank you again for making my job driving all day palatable and with your amazing content, sending love and hoping and hope everything is all right for Joe and his family. But this was from two months ago that I missed it. So anyway, um, it was uh, it was just really nice to read that uh, this morning. It was a nice little boost. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. that um, yeah. Yeah. I know it's always good to feel validated, you know, that, that it's making a difference. And, you know, that's yeah. kind of the way I felt at East Denver when we were running around. I was like looking around going, 
you know, we got to be like in the top 10 of oldest guys here. Um, well, at least yeah. you anyhow. And, um, <laughs> and so, but this, the reception we got, I mean, you would never feel like anybody even, you know, it was like, there was such an eagerness to sort of learn or not know if learns the right word, but at least hear our stories, you know, and our yeah. anecdotes and our, you know, as Juan of Juan Angel of Phantom put it a couple of shows ago, you know, decades of experience. And I yep. think that that's what, what people see. And, and I think they do like the shtick a little bit and the, you know, repartee between us and also the interactions with the, with the core audience members that we see yep. every day here. Oh, we have such um, a great well. audience adding so much to what we do. It makes the job yeah. 10 times easier. And it yeah, was cool I mean, at the show I... was having people come up to us and saying, hey, I know you. Uh, yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, really? That was weird. That was weird. That, that's the way I felt, too. I'm like, really? I mean, when we saw, like, we were doing, we're in podcast room five, and, you know, like, then I got a message from uh, Lacey uh, Kalani of uh, Met Inch, Meta Intro that we had on the show a few weeks or months ago, the Web3 Wallet um, yeah. company. And, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, we were watching you guys. You know, she says, like, you're what she kind of used it, an adjective of like, not stalking, but, you know, stealthily observing us. And I thought I saw her out there, you know, but you would see people out there that, you know, you'd kind of wave to and you realize that, you know, I mean, that was happening continuously. And so I do realize that there's a lot of people listening to us, not, you know, on the other channels, as well as the core audience watching here and. And I, I think it's getting picked up somewhere else too, because we're definitely getting some reach. Um, yeah, which absolutely. you know well, is funny. Always... I've I've started embedding. Um, I built I built out my own URL tracker instead of Bitly because I had some issues with them blocking. Yeah, recently, and I've been tracking it, and there's engagement coming from somewhere else in these URLs beyond podcast feed, YouTube, some, something else, these URLs is getting out there because the click-through rates are much higher than the engagement rates on, say, Twitter or YouTube or wherever. So it's really interesting to watch. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it probably is a whole podcast because we don't have mm -hmm. any, you can't get engagement data from podcast feed, right? The statistics and analytics on podcasts are really limited. So we can't get that. Um, and that may be where all the click-throughs are coming from. But anyway, it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah, thanks for sharing that review. I like that. Uh, it's yeah, always yeah. nice. All right. so, let's, let's wrap go. it up, Joe. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We appreciate you guys. We love and appreciate you being here. Sean, thank you so much for introducing us to uh, Mark. I think I, I love their business. Uh, I think it's a great, uh, a great play. Um, kind of wish I had been... Uh, uh, had the opportunity to put a little bit in them as well. But uh, yeah. I love what they're doing. I think there's some big opportunities in that space and appreciate him coming on. Mark, You, thank you for coming on. If you're listening on P Apple Podcasts and Spotify, we'd love if you could lead, uh, leave us just a one-sentence review um, like uh, that uh, North Star did uh, recently with us. It boosts our egos, which we don't really need, but it also boosts us in the algorithm. So if you get a chance, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Take just a minute to do that. Uh, you can leave a comment on YouTube. Um, that also helps. I'm putting them all on the website eventually. And um, please uh, subscribe, click the little bell. And Joe would like you to please smash the thumbs up on YouTube if you're watching us right now. Shizzy says, great show, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Shizzy, for being here, buddy. We appreciate you adding to it every day. Thank you, Niblets. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Shizzy. Thank you, Chuck. 
Uh, and Euphoric, I appreciate all of you participating as per usual. You will be missed if you are not here. So thanks a lot. Joe, have a great afternoon. You too, buddy. And thanks, everyone. We will see you tomorrow for Sean Day. Sean Day! Later. Sean Day! Bye-bye. Sean Day!